which is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruin. This morning, we uh, continue our series on the Lord's Supper. C.S. Lewis once said that what the church needs is not better arguments. What the church needs is not better arguments, but better metaphors, better pictures, better pictures that paint the story of the glory and the grace of our God. Better, better pictures that paint the story of the gospel. I think of an illustration of a young girl, kindergarten girl. She's in Sunday school. And it's coloring time, and the Sunday school teacher has said, free for all, color whatever you want. And she walks around the class, and she's checking out what the kids are coloring. And she comes to this one small kindergarten girl, and Sally, what is that? What are you, what are you drawing? And the, and the little girl doesn't even look up. She's continuing to, to color and shade and, and to blur and to fix. And uh, she, she continues on as she answers the teacher, I'm, I'm coloring God. To which the teacher kind of steps back and and a little bit surprised, but then quickly jumps in and says, listen, Sally, uh, you can't do that. Why not? Well, no one knows what God looks like, so you can't color God. And Sally doesn't even look up. She doesn't miss a beat. And she says, well, they will now. It may be in crayon, but they'll get a picture. The world needs better pictures. Even if it's in crayon, we need better, we need better ways to tell of God's good grace and mercy. Sometimes... Sometimes visuals help with that. In this Lord's Supper series, we're, we're trying to rethink. We're trying to look at uh, broken and spilled out in different ways. And each week we're trying to kind of take a different seat around the table to get a different perspective. Not just to, not just to understand the aspects, the bread and the wine. Not just to understand the pieces, but to understand all the applications that come with why we do this in remembrance of Him. And sometimes, uh, not even the aspects and the applications are enough, sometimes we need to find different avenues, different ways to paint that picture. So that's really what this series is about. Last week, we, we, we looked at the water pitcher. We, we, looked, at, we looked at Jesus and we, we said, you know, as, as he sat down to that meal, Scripture kind of is a little vague, but it, it gives some indication that it may have been it, after the meal had already started that Jesus notices that something, something's missing, something didn't happen that needed to happen. And from Jesus' perspective, he noticed that everybody at the table was, was rank. Everyone was dirty, right? You remember in Jesus' day, everyone were Flops, sandals, I don't think they were rainbows, but they had some sort of variation of that, an early version of rainbows, right? And as you, as you walked through life, you got nasty, you got dirty. And, and there were cows and chickens and stuff roaming the streets, and sanitation was not a priority. There was no garbage hound trash pickup. And so when you came into someone's home, you were dirty, and it was a custom. In fact, it was, it was a responsibility of the, the homeowner, if you will, to make sure that there was a servant there. Some, some lowly person was going to be there and there would be a picture, there would be water, there would be a basin, there would be a towel to where your feet got washed before you came to the table to fellowship. 
What we saw last week is that at some point at the, at the table with his disciples, before the cross, before the, before the beatings, before the trial, before, uh, before the deception, before the, the, the Judas, before he, 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 is, he is turning Jesus into uh, the enemy, before the garden, before the sweat drops of blood, before that, Joseph, uh, Jesus chose to sit down at a table with his disciples and share a meal. But at some point, he, he, he noticed something got skipped, something's missing. And so Jesus, it says, he got up and he took his garment off and he went over and he grabbed the pitcher. And you've got to imagine at this point, kind of like last week when I stood up and I had the pitcher and I had water and I started walking around, you got a little nervous. You've you got to wonder, I, I, I imagine the disciples were getting a little nervous, not just because of their toe jam, not just because they were dirty, but because they understood that this was the God of the universe and that he could see not just the dirt on the outside but the the dirt in the depth of their soul. But Jesus got up, took his outer garment off and um, it says he he took the towel and he he girded himself with it. He kind of made an apron with it and he went and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And last week what we realized was that that wasn't the first nor was it the last time that Jesus would humble himself to be a servant for our salvation. We went backwards and we saw that at the beginning, Jesus in heaven, at some point when the time was right, he decided that, that he, would remove, he would remove his deity and he would take on, like a garment, human flesh. He would humble himself. The epistles say that he would become man because he didn't, he didn't see equality with God, something that he had, to, he had to cling to, that he had to hold on to as if it would be taken from him. And so he released it. He, he took that off. He took that, that deity off because he didn't, he didn't see it as something worthy to hang on to because it was a mission. And so he took that off and he, and he put on humanity. It says he became a bondservant. And not just that, he, he humbled himself as a, as a slave to the point of death. And not just any kind of death, but death on a cross. He died as a common criminal. He was executed, in fact. And, and, he, and he chose to do that. Long before he girded himself with this towel, long before he took off his garment at the table during the meal and humbled himself, he, he, took, off his, he took off his deity and put on humanity so that one day he could, he could, he could take off at this table with his friends his dignity. While they were all arguing about who would be who would be number two? Clearly, he was number one. He said, "Let me, let me, let me show you how, how number one acts." And maybe you guys who are arguing about number two, maybe maybe you'll figure something out here. Kind of like an appetizer to the rest of the meal. He just stops and he and he goes to the towel and he he removes his dignity and he puts on humility. And then fast forward last week as we appropriately saw for Easter. There's a time in the tomb where, where they realize that he's gone and, the, and the, the, disciple, the disciple who Jesus loved, right, outruns Peter and he gets there and he peeks in and says he didn't go in but he saw the garments that Jesus was wrapped in. He saw those death robes laying empty. And we talked about how, how Jesus took off death so that we could all put on heaven. So from, from removing his deity and taking on humanity, 
removing his dignity and taking on humility, and then removing, removing the, the garments of death that we'll all one day face so we're all able to put on heaven. And that, that, was, that was what we saw last week from Jesus' perspective at the table, that, that he had to stop and, and do something. That was the picture. This week, this week uh, I have a different picture for you. Not picture. I have a different picture for you. And it's a door. The door's not normally there if this is your first time. Jesus was a, uh, he was a surprising character in the flesh, especially. If you or I were to write the Bible, we would have most likely written it a completely different way. Amen? I mean, I don't know about you. I would have chosen a, a different way to go about the salvation of humanity. I would, have, I would have chosen to write the story of Jesus 30-some short years here on earth a little differently. If I were to have written the Bible, um, I would have changed some things. Maybe, maybe you could think of some things you would change. First of all, he wouldn't have been born to such a lowly estate. That, that wouldn't have come to my mind. That's not how I would have brought the king of the universe into the world. That's how the story goes. Uh, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been too rich either in my story because you know we all resent the rich. So he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been one of those guys. He would have probably been somewhere there in the middle, right? Upper middle class, what we all strive to be, right? The, the ideal. They would have put him somewhere in there, the top end of that maybe. He definitely would have gotten a lot more respect than he did. In my story, he would have actually demanded more respect. I mean, he was God, for goodness sake. He certainly wouldn't have been around some of the people that we find he is around in Scripture. Not if, not if humans wrote the story. And isn't that ironic? We, we wouldn't have put him around maybe people like us. Not if we wrote the story. Jesus had, think about this now, Jesus had a limited time on earth. Isn't it surprising and amazing how he spent his limited time. If you were to write the story of, of what Jesus' mission was to be in those short number of years, maybe you would have focused on some different things. I, I know I would have focused on some different things. He, he probably would have not only done some of the things he done, he probably wouldn't have been around some of the people he was around. Wouldn't you expect Jesus to have been more intentional with his time, directing his time maybe towards more of the movers and the shakers than to the lowly that we find him with in Scripture? I mean, don't you think we would have, we would have written it with him knocking on more doors of kings and rulers and people of power, people of wealth, people of influence? That's probably where I would have sent Jesus. If he's coming to the world, that would have gotten the most bang for the buck. It seems... It seems to me, I probably would have um, sent Jesus in the time of the internet. That would have been a good good idea. Do some uh, do some good market research. Get him a Facebook, a Twitter, Instagram. Put him on all those social networks, right? Get him a few infomercials, maybe even. That my, in my in my thinking, that would have probably been a better a better time for Jesus to have lived, to make, to make the most impact. But that's not, that's not the story that God, that God tells in history. The story that we find in Scripture is that Jesus knocked on all the wrong doors. 
He sat at all the wrong tables with all the wrong people. It was food, drink, prostitutes, drunks, and the story that that the father tells through the son. Once he uh, instantaneously turned dirty water into prized wine, blurring the line between sacred and secular. Once during a meal he allowed what you might call a whore to wash his feet with her hair and her tears, recalibrating the scales of value and identity. Once he invited himself over to the home of, of a man everyone hated, one that would have been called a traitor by his peers. He even shared, think about it, his last meal with his betrayer and one who would become a denouncer. I do not know that man. And he sat at the table with them. Jesus' table manners kind of rewrote the book of etiquette. Without reservation, and I don't mean the kind of reservation that you call in at a restaurant for, without Without reservation, without any hesitation, Jesus became good news for the needy and the hungry. At his table, we find that there's a seat for all who will come. For all who will come. Because seated at the table with Jesus are hope and mercy and patience, and peace, and love, redemption, and forgiveness. That's what we find at the table that Jesus sits at. Henry Nouwen said this, This is our vocation, it's the same vocation as Christ, to convert the enemy into a guest, and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. There's something about um, something about coming into someone's home, knocking on their door, and coming into their home and sitting at their table and and sharing a meal with them. Kimberly and I, uh, we always joked how we wish we didn't have to eat so much. You ever feel that way? You just get tired of food. I love food, but every now and then I just get tired of food, especially on spring break weeks. When I got two boys, like every ten minutes, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. What is there to eat? About ten thirty every morning on spring break, Corbin's coming around. Like, Dad, um, can we have breakfast? And I'm thinking to myself, can't you can't you make a cup of coffee or something? I mean, that'd be a little easier. Planning meals and it gets to be it gets to be a burden. But I think there's something more to, to meals. You know, God created us in our, in our humanity and in our flesh to need to eat. And that's, that's one thing. But I think, I think there's, there's more to it than just that's how we are sustained physically. There's something about coming into someone's home and sharing a meal that deepens fellowship. It deepens fellowship. It's interesting that both both the major act of grace and mercy in the Old Testament and in the New Testament have a meal attached to them. 
Let me say that again. Both, both the Old and New Testament pictures of grace and mercy get a meal that we are to remember those, those moments by. Both involve a door as well. In the Old Testament, Passover, and in the New Testament, it's the cross. Both have a table and both, both have a door. In the Old Testament, we find a door connected to the table, in a sense. The nation of Israel, stuck in Egypt, God's judgment is about to fall, and He tells His people, listen, judgment is coming. At this time, we're going to institute this, uh, this, this sacrificial thing of a lamb. Get your best lamb. Get the perfect lamb. Kill him off. You're going, to eat, you're going to eat what I tell you to eat. You're not going to eat the rest, but you're going to take the blood and you're going to do something strange. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to paint it on the lentil and the doorpost of your home. And when my angel of death comes, comes to town, he's going to check. And if he finds that your house is under the blood of the Lamb, then, then He's going to pass over your house by my grace and by my mercy. You, you put your faith in me, in that blood over the door, and I'm going, to, I'm going to tell Him to pass over. And so judgment will not fall on your home. And so they did. They, they sacrificed the lamb and they got the blood and they took it out and they would, as a family, they would paint the doorpost of their home. Now, if you didn't have a perfect lamb. If you didn't have the lamb to kill and to get the blood, you could use Rust-Oleum Painter's Touch two times Ultra Cover Paint and Primer. Amen? I think it says that somewhere in, in like the message version of the Bible. And so here's what they would do. They would paint on the top and they would paint down the side. Maybe they painted on the other side. Some scholars, some scholars like to think that they did it on one corner and what do you see here? And so the blood would be there. That's the story of the door in the Old Testament. We find one in the New Testament as well. Probably, probably the most well-known picture of a door in the New Testament. Picturing grace and mercy and the gospel coming and, and God passing over and, the, and the, the, the faith underneath. Probably, probably the most well-known picture is Revelation 3. Listen to what it says. Because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, quite an indictment there, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, 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 real rich, for real rich. And you also need to buy white garments so that you may clothe yourselves because, again, you're naked and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I also have an eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may, you may see, so that, that the truth is, is clear. Those whom I love I reprove and, and discipline, therefore be zealous. Repent. Here's the verse, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will, what? I will dine with him and he with me. That's, what, that's what's available by the cross. 
It's interesting. Those words are written to the church at Laodicea. To the church, those words are written. Um, they're the only church in, in the book of Revelation that doesn't get some sort of compliment before they get a little bit of critique. There's no compliment for them. Instead, this was a group of people that thought they were good, apparently. But they failed to recognize that, in fact, they were wretched. They were miserable, poor, blind, exposed, revealed for, for who they were. They were naked. As such, they find themselves not at the table with Christ, but they find themselves inside and Jesus is, is on the outside looking in. In the Old Testament, it's a, it's a real door. It's a physical door. In the, in the New Testament, it seems to be, seems to be a more figurative door. The door of our heart. And Jesus... And Jesus is waiting patiently to come in. If you'll open the door, then he comes in and he'll, he'll take a seat at the table with you and you have a seat at the table with him. It's a picture of relationship, fellowship. It requires something, however. It requires humility, repentance, it requires a recognition. There's two things I want you to remember about this morning because after all, we do the Lord's Supper in remembrance. The pictures, the, the teaching, the broken and the spilled out, they're, they're to help us recall some things. There's two things I want you to remember about this morning's teaching. Number one, we can only come to this table of fellowship with Christ if, we are, if we're willing to recognize our brokenness. If we're willing to confess that we're needy, we're hungry, then we need to be at that table. Otherwise, Jesus is, is on the outside of your heart and not allowed in. We can only sit at this table when we recognize that we are needy and hungry. When we answer Jesus' knock on our heart's door, He comes in and we have fellowship. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. Maybe this is the most important. All those who have a humble and repentant heart are welcome at this table. All. No exception. The worst of us. Those of us who have things deep down that nobody else knows about. The worst of us. In humility and repentance, by faith, we're welcome at His table. All are welcome at His table. You know, the doors of our heart come in all shapes, all sizes. Some of them are missing pieces. Some of them are falling apart. Old, broke down, tattered, worn, off the hinges. Some doors look better than the other. Thanks be to God that Jesus didn't come just looking for the best doors to knock upon. 
all, all are welcome at His table. In fact, our junk, our stuff, our sin is the very, is the very point of this table. It's because of our sin that there is broken and spilled out. This table tells us that Jesus kicked open the door to heaven for us. This table is the door of good news. It's the door of God's grace, God's mercy. This table is the door of forgiveness for your sins, not just in the past and not just the present, but for the rest of your future here on this earth. Because on this table lies broken and spilled out for you. The, the door of heaven gets kicked wide open for all those who would humble themselves and repent, place their faith under the blood, experience God's wrath passing over them, and instead enjoying fellowship and relationship, seated with the King. Next to hope and mercy and, and patience and long suffering and redemption, grace. You come to this table. You open this door. You dine with this Christ and you find that you're not guilty anymore. You, we, are, are welcomed find that you are the beloved friend of the one true king. No matter who you are, no matter no matter what you've done. Now that's it's good news worth remembering this morning. Pray with me. Father, we will do this thing this morning in remembrance of your Son. Who, because of his love and your love for us, stands at the, the door of our heart and knocks.
And the way your story tells it, he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't kick down the door. He doesn't impose himself upon us. But neither does he discriminate, Lord. It doesn't matter what our, what our heart's shape is. You didn't send your son merely to the movers and the shakers and the, and the esteemed. You sent your son to redeem sinners. That fellowship might be restored. So we take a, maybe a different place at this table this morning. We look at it with a different, with a different perspective this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way for us. You've opened the door. You've torn the veil. We have access to your very presence, Father, by way of your Son, by way of the blood, by way of faith. For those who have yet to unlock, take the chains off, remove the deadbolt of their own heart, resistant from you, I pray that they would see that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Lord, and that, and that if, they, if they would allow you to come in, there would be sweet fellowship. Lord, I long for the day that we sit. We sit with our bridegroom at that, at that final wedding feast when we as one redeemed people, your bride will celebrate over a meal once again. Until then, Lord, we do this in remembrance of you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.